So just to give you some background on who Abraham is before we dive in tonight. Abraham, when he was 75 years old, was promised a son. First of all, 75 years old promised a son. That boy's a little old, right? But he was promised a son at 75 years old. He waits years for this son. He waits years, and the son doesn't come. And so he gets, there's multiple times where he would get, he would get anxious, and he would try to take things into his own hands, right? He had, um, he had childs, uh, he had, he had a child with somebody out, like, because he was trying to rush God's promise to him. Um, We call his name Ishmael, if you know Ishmael, right? But then, 25 years later, the promised son that God promised Abraham actually came. It was Isaac. It comes in chapter 21. We see that Sarah births Isaac, right? And uh, he's 100 years old at this point. So he waited 25 years for this son. And now we get to chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter 22 of Genesis, and we're going to be reading the first three verses. After these things, let me read it from my Bible, not from the page. Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of, uh, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on the one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Imagine that. You wait 25 years for a son. You get restless. You get anxious. Try to take matters into your own hands. 25 years later, the son actually comes, and now God's asking basically for him back. Like, imagine what Abraham's thinking. Like, what? You want Isaac back? I waited 25 years for this son, right? He's probably spent multiple years with Isaac, because later in the story, we're going to see Isaac walking up a mountain carrying wood. So he's He's probably pretty old. He's probably pretty old enough to walk up a mountain on his own. And now God just says, give him as a burnt offering. Imagine being Abraham. I mean, we see God. He says, the, the son whom you loved. Abraham loved this child. And now he knows that he has to go and sacrifice him. Imagine, right? And then in verse 3, verse 3, we say this. We see this. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. What's important here is he goes to sleep on this. Imagine that night. Abraham goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. He goes to sleep probably in the same room as Isaac, because back in this time, they probably didn't have separate bedrooms. They probably all slept in one room. He falls asleep, probably tucks Isaac into bed, And he lays his own head down to rest, knowing what he's going to do to his son tomorrow, and he has no idea. He's looking across the room. He can probably see his son. Every breath he takes, he sees his chest go up. He sees his chest go down, and he's worried, and he's scared, and he's wondering why, and he's probably angry. It's like, God, I've waited 25 years, and you're just going to take him away from me? Like, Let's not think that Abraham here is unemotional. He's probably probably getting no sleep, right? This is a struggle for him. And I want you guys to know that obedience is hard. But I think something we need to remember is God knows it's hard. He doesn't call us to do things that are hard, and he doesn't know that they're hard himself. Like, like let's look at the Bible. Jesus, when he was called to, to, to go and die on the cross for our sins, 
That was not easy. He was crying, worried, sweating drops of blood. He was so scared of the wrath of God that he would have to take on. So he knows how hard obedience is. But also, he knows how hard obedience is, but he walks through it with you. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God knows it's difficult, but he walks through the difficult times with you. Right? I think the last song we listened to, there was a verse in there that said, God is my fourth in the fire. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the fire. And they weren't being overcome by the fire. And so people look in, they're like, whoa, there's four people in there. And who was it? It was God. It was Jesus. He was walking with them through the hard time. And I want you guys to know, God doesn't just call you to do things that are hard and then abandon you. He walks with you. He's your fourth in the fire. Right? So we have read the command. We've been introduced. Okay, we know what Abraham has to do. Let's see how he responds. So let's go to verse 3. We're going to start in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 22. Let's see how Abraham responds. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled, uh, he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood from the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Imagine that. You see the place from afar that you know what you're going to do. Verse 5, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife so that when they went, both of them together, verse 7, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am. Here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? See, Isaac has no idea. Isaac's like, all right, we're up here for a burnt offering. Where's, where's, the, where's the lamb? Right? Verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Imagine that. First of all, you hear that, okay, you waited 25 years for the son, now God's calling you to sacrifice him. And then you, 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 you tuck him to sleep, you probably sleep in the same room, you probably are looking at him all night, restless. And now you have to go up this mountain with your son who is unexpecting of what's going to happen. And now you have to tie him down against his will to wood. Like, this is hard. Obedience in, in Abraham's life to the, right, right now is hard. So let's keep reading. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. We see he follows through with it. We see that Abraham was ready and willing to do what God told him to do, even when it was hard. How? How? How could Abraham do that? How can we today obey God even when it's hard? And I think there's two keys that we get to see in Abraham's life. There's two keys that we get to see that help Abraham to be able to obey God even when it's hard. And I think the first key is found in verse 1. 
Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. The response that Abraham gives to the call of God is probably one of the most important things we'll see tonight. What we see, and this is the first key, obedience starts with knowing who God is. How can I obey God in the hard times if I don't know who he is? And so what we're going to see is, in this phrase, here I am, remember, the Bible has been translated into a different language. And so some of the words that are used here have meanings that you don't really get if you just look at the English. So here I am. This word, here I am, is actually in the Hebrew, one word, and it's the word hine, which means being ready for a higher purpose and being fully and present and attentive for the moment. So you can read it this way. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, God, ready for a higher purpose. I'm fully here and present and ready for you. Imagine that. The way that Abraham just responds to God shows so much about who, who he knew him to be. And I think Abraham knew something I think we need to know today. That when God calls us to do the hard things, we need to know that God is not just some random Joe Schmo off the street telling us to do things. He's the God, he's the creator of the universe. Holy, 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 worthy to be praised and deserves my obedience whether he did a lick of thing for me or not. God is so worthy. Now, I'll be honest, this month has been tough. And I thank God that I'm having to preach on obedience because it gave me time to study. But I've had to learn is God worth it for me? Is just who He is worth it? And I've had to come up with the answer on my own. And what we see is we see that He says, He nay. He says, I'm here, God. I'm ready. I'm present. I'm attentive fully for you. And I'm ready for a higher purpose. He knows that this isn't just some other random person telling him to do something. This is God. And the question that you can ask yourself is do you respond to the command of God just like you would any other person? Or do you respond differently? Do I hear the commands that my mom and dad gives me? The commands that people in high places of government give me? And do I respond to those the same way as if I were to respond to God's commands or not? Do we as the church hold God's name and his commands as higher than everyone else's? And that's where we need to start. We need to start by knowing God is not like everyone else. He's higher and deserves a different type of respect. Abraham didn't just know who God was. He held him where he deserved to be. Who knows probably more about God than any of us? Satan. Satan knows everything about God. He knows who God is. He knows he knows his, he knew his plan for salvation. He knows a lot about God. But what is his problem? He doesn't hold God where he deserves to be. We can't just know who God is. We need to know who God is and allow what we know about him to hold him where he rightfully deserves to be. And we need to respond to God when he commands us to do things with, he nay, God, I'm here. I understand that what you tell me to do is higher than anything anybody else can ever tell me to do, and I'm here for you. This is the second thing, though, that Abraham knows about God. Let's go to verse 5. Verse 5. 
Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will <laughs> whoa, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. I'll read it one more time. Verse five. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. How could Abraham say that? How could Abraham say, me and Isaac are going to get over here and we'll both come back to you? How could he say that? He knew that he was, he knew what he was called to do. He knew he was called to go and sacrifice him. So how is Abraham so confident that even though he knows that God's calling him to kill his son, that they're both going to return? And I think what Abraham knew is he knew the promises of God. Genesis 17, verse 19. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. And this is the promise. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Abraham knows that there's a covenant with him and Isaac. And whether, whether Abraham goes there, kills him or not, Isaac God's promised that Isaac has more to accomplish. So he knew he was going to come back with him whether he killed him or not. And I think we need to know this today. We need to cling to the promises of God when obedience gets hard. When God, when, I mean, Psalms 23, 4, he promises us that he won't leave us, that he's going to be with us in the hard times. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When it gets hard, run to God knowing that he's always there. And remind yourself, God hasn't left me. Abraham here is knowing that he's got to go kill his son. And he's like, we're both going to come back. We're both going to come back. Because I know what God has promised me. Either I'm going to go there, and there's going to be some type of substitute. Or I'm going to go there, I'm going to kill him, and God's going to raise him back from the dead. Because he's so confident in the promises of God. So we need to cling to the promises we know about God. But... We see who God is is something that makes obedience a lot easier. We need to remember who he is, and we need to hold him where he deserves. But what's the application to this? We know that we're supposed to know who God is, but how do we do so? We read our Bibles. It sounds cliche. It sounds like what a bunch of people would tell you. But reading your Bible is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. Without this book, you don't know who God is. And without this book, if you don't know who he is, you don't know who you're obeying. And if you don't know this book, you don't know the promises of God, and you don't know what to hold to when it gets tough. I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it said this way. You show me somebody who's obedient. I'll also show you somebody who's made it a daily dedication to be in their word weekly. People who cling to the word of God are people that have a certain type of hope about them that when it gets hard, they just cling to the promises of God. And I want you to know that this Bible is a gift, and from front to cover, we have roughly 1,270 pages, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, and roughly 800 stories about who God is and what he's done, and we don't read it. And then we wonder why we're not obedient. And we're not obedient because we don't know who we're obeying. 
And we don't think he deserves it because we don't see the love that he, that he pours out in each page of this book. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness that, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'll read that one more time in a different way. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for obedience. It says equipped for every good work at the end. And how do you get equipped for every good work? You read the Bible. You read God's word. And the way that we get equipped for obedience, equipped for being able to stand when it gets tough, is we remember who our God is. And the way we know who our God is is we read about him. So that's the first key. First key is when obedience gets tough, we need to remember who our God is. But the second key is this. We need to remember what he's done for us. We need to understand what he has done for us. Chapter 21 of Genesis, verses 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. First of all, he did what he promised. And the Lord did to Sarah as he has promised. Verse 2. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore, and he named him Isaac. Let's skip to verse 7. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse, a uh, would nurse children? Yet I, yet the Lord, have borne him a son in his old age. God promised that Abraham would come, and he fulfilled the promise. He fulfilled the promise. Abraham, what did God do for Abraham? He gave him a son. And why is that significant? Who did the son ultimately belong to? God. Look at you. The son ultimately belonged to God. God gave Isaac to Abraham. It's not Abraham's. It's God's first. And that's what I think Abraham understood. Abraham understood that Isaac was not Abraham's before he was first God's. And Abraham understood this fact, that God gave him Isaac, and he could also take him away whenever he would like. Abraham understood that Isaac was first God's before he was his. And I think we need to understand this today, that whatever God may be calling you to give up, whatever God may be calling you to obey, remember, is first his before it's yours. There's a couple, couple, couple things that I feel like God calls to surrender to him all the time. Right? He calls to surrender our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. He calls us to devout our, our, devote our eyes only to him. Our ears, the things we listen to, only to him. Our mouth and our praises, only to him. Who do those all belong to? God. God is not asking for us to give him what is ours. God is asking for us to give back to him what is rightfully his. And who would Abraham be to say, no, God, Isaac's mine. He can't do that. He can't do that because he's not. Now, it's hard. Trust me, Abraham is not emotionless in this. Abraham is probably dying. He's probably just heartbroken. But he realizes, if I don't give him to Christ, 
God could just take him whenever he wanted to. Isaac is first God's before he's Abraham's. And all the blessings that we get are first God's before they're ours. And I think the problem, I think where we mess up, is we count the blessings of Christ as ours and not first God's. So, we saw the first key, and that's remembering who is our God, who our God is. That's the first key. The second key is what he has done for us. And remember, we had an application for the first one, so we'll have an application now. What has God done for you? That's a serious question. What has God done for you? I know you're like, all right, Brock, well, yeah, Abraham was given Isaac, so we know what God did for Abraham. But what has God done for me? What has God done for me? Why does he deserve my life? What has he done for me? Verse 11. This is the rest of the, the Abraham and Isaac story in chapter 22. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Just listen to the way he always responds. Here I am. Here I am. I'm ready. I'm attentive. Whatever you want me to do. Verse 12, and he said, do not lay a hand on that boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. He rises the knife above his son. On his way down, God says, no, don't do that. Abraham proved to be faithful to God, even when it was difficult. And what we see as we continue to read the story, verse 13 and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Remember, remember the promise that Abraham was clinging to. Either I'm going to go, and Isaac's really not the sacrifice, and God's going to provide one, or some miraculous miracle. Isaac's going to have to live. I know the promise of God. And what do we see? There's a ram, there's a substitute. So that Isaac doesn't have to die. That sounds very familiar. A substitute for people that deserve to die. But there's a substitute that dies for you. I'll be honest. Guys, if you're struggling to know what has God done for me, if anything... He hopped on the wood so that you didn't have to. He died for you. He didn't have to do anything else. Remember, there's two keys to help you in obedience, but both. They don't have to be together for it to work. The first one, like God deserves your obedience just because of who he is. He didn't have to do nothing for you. But thank God he did. Thank God he did the second point too. Thank God that I'm not just, I'm not just obeying somebody who is, who is claiming his position. Look who I am. No, he's somebody who is, first of all, he can claim his position whenever he wants, but he's also somebody who hopped down into our sinful world and died for us. Why shouldn't we just give everything we have to him? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, we deserve to be Isaac. We deserve to be dead. We deserve hell. We deserve God's wrath. But what does the rest of the verse say? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus was the ram in the thicket. 
He was the person who hopped on the wood so that Isaac didn't have to. And he's the same person who died for your sins so that if you put your faith and you put your trust in him and you follow his commandments, you won't have to experience the wrath of God. We ought to give him all the obedience. We ought to give him everything we have. Obedience is hard, but it's necessary because God deserves it. What has God given you that you should be willing to give him back? Everything. Everything. Without Jesus, we're not here. We're not here. We're not created. All the fun times you've ever had don't exist without God. All the hard times that you've experienced, you'd be doing them alone if it wasn't for God. And we would all be hopeless if it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross. We deserve to give him everything we have and hold nothing back. Guys, and I'll be honest, the reason I started out with a personal story is because I don't want you guys to think that obedience is always easy. I want to share with you, like personally, it's hard. Hear that from me. Just as, truth, just as true as all the other things I've said is, obedience is hard. But it's so worth it. It's so, so, so worth it. I have experienced God blessing me in ways that I can't express to you. God has, has shown me that I don't walk alone. He's proved to me that when I'm obedient to him, he blesses me beyond measure. God has proven to me that when I'm obedient to him and I choose to put him first, his promises are true. Second Corinthians 4, 13 through 15. If you want a promise to cling to, cling to this one. And in keeping, what, uh, in keeping with what was written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We ought to have the same spirit of faith, also believe and therefore speak. Verse 14. Knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with him in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is extended to more and more people may overflow into thanksgiving to glorify God. We're not just obedient on this side of eternity, and then we just die and we're gone. We're obedient on this side of eternity, knowing that one day we're going to rise with Christ. Knowing that one day we're going to be with Him. And the same God that we, that we hold is worthy, and we know what He's done for us, we're going to be with Him. We're going to be with him. We're going to be able to talk to him. We're going to be able to worship him. That should excite us. God is so worth it. And he didn't have to promise us that we'd be with him. He could just say, all right, I deserve your obedience. And once you, once you, once you obey me and you die, good. That was your job. No. He says, obey me with your life and I will take you with me. Guys, God is so worthy of our obedience. So worth so worthy and if you don't believe anything else that I've said if you don't believe any of these red letters or this Bible know that I'm living proof that when you do things and you obey God even when it's hard first of all he never he never will leave you second it always turns out better than what it then if you disobeyed him guys don't forget God loves you 
easy. Don't forget God loves you. Don't forget who God is. He's a loving father. Don't forget what he's done. He's a loving father, but he also proved it because he died for you. Guys, it was hard for Abraham. It's been hard for me this month. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And I want you guys to know that if you're obeying God and it's not difficult, question, how radically am I living for the gospel? If it's never hard, ask yourself why. Why, why is obedience never hard? Is it because I'm just choosing the things that are easy and obeying those? Or am I neglecting the things that I know God wants me to do, but I just don't want to? Obedience is going to be hard. But you have nearly 60 or just 70 people in this room that also understand obedience is hard and they want to help you. I care about you guys, and I'd like to let you guys know that obedience is hard, but it's necessary.